0: I sure do phone Local comedians, man, you need to see them, baby. So check out Lynn's show. Oh, yeah, baby, subscribe. Oh, Make sure you give it a like. Listen to the show, the name of the show. Lynn Thank you all for listening! Uh, we're going to have a great time today! Alright, hello everybody! Welcome to another episode of uh, You Have a Lot of Options. Uh, I, of course, am your host, Lynn Navratel. Hit like, subscribe, uh, roast me in the comments, uh, do whatever you want to me in the comments. Uh, leave funny images uh, that you've drawn of me uh, that I think are sweet, because uh, that means you're thinking about me while you're drawing them. But, uh, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> but that's not why we're here today, uh, as has been the... Uh, kind of theme of every podcast since, like, January. We have a special guest today, and it is someone that I am... Very excited to interview. Uh, her resume is long, and her jokes are longer. That's uh, that's <laughs> that sounds like I'm insulting her, but I'm not. She's a, a comedian, a bartender. I think she's a yoga instructor, a uh, former sex worker, uh, but mostly a comedian. Uh, give it up for Susanna Lee, everybody! Yay! Do you, want to for myself <laughs> you can clap for tonight? yourself. Oh, all right. I've, it's been like a reoccurring bit that I've been saying that we've had like Arsenio Hall's like audience in the background, where it's <laughs> oh. just like the ooh 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 people. <laughs> But uh, they didn't follow me here today. (laughs) How are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. How are you?
0: I'm doing swell. Uh, Are you, in fact, a yoga instructor, or did I make that up?
1: Uh, I was a yoga instructor until quarantine shut my gym down. They Mm -hmm. haven't started doing group classes again, or I guess if they have, I'm not teaching there anymore. Mm -hmm. But I will be teaching again in August at a new space in the West Bottoms.
0: Ooh, do you want to plug that real quick?
1: Mm -mm. Okay, yeah. No, I don't think so. Not yet. Um,
0: okay, if you want to learn yoga, fuck yourself. But uh, yes. okay. but when, we, when you feel comfortable plugging it, we will. <laughs> yes.
1: I just don't know. Like, they just took possession of the space, so uh. it's a little bit too early to talk about it. But, uh, you know, if this podcast goes real well and all your listeners, like, uh, follow me on the social medias... <laughs> then, uh, you know, I'll be posting
0: about it. Yeah, follow her on the social medias. On we'll... the
1: medias. <laughs> Get on my social medias.
0: So you... Uh, I view you as probably one of, like... Blowback story for everyone that doesn't know. Uh, everyone I have on this show, I consider my friend. I know maybe, like, five things about you, and I view <laughs> you as probably one of the most... I <laughs> I described you earlier today as, like... The real life version of that, uh, I think it, I don't think it was Modelos, but the uh, most interesting man in the world campaign. <laughs> I would describe you as the that. Sackies. Yeah, oh Dusackis. Yes. I would describe you as like. <laughs> The Kansas City Dos Equis Most Interesting Woman in the World <laughs> well, thank campaign. thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Because I'm just fascinated. So give me, like, a little bit of backstory, how you start in, like, all of your jobs. We'll start with comedy first okay. and then move from there.
1: Well, comedy was the first one. Cool. Uh, when I was, let me think, I was 19, I was working at Stanford's. Okay. And I was, um, I was working in the office and I was barbacking and... I was uh, friends with a lot of the comedians, and before working there, I didn't, I don't know why, but I didn't realize that comedy was something that just people did, Mm. you know? I don't don't know what I, I don't know if I just thought it was just, like, I don't know, I have no idea what I thought. I don't know if I didn't think TV (laughs) was real, or if... (laughs) You know, when you don't really think something through. Yeah,
0: everyone's just in that box. Yeah. Like, they just interchange. They yeah. have a punch card, they get out of the box, and then they get really big right. again. Right, exactly. I learned that that's not what happened last year. Uh, yeah. Because there were so many people on my TV because of quarantine. And yes. I was just like, wow. So when you started at Stanford, mm-hmm. did you...
1: This was when the dad owned it, when Stan ah. Glazer owned it. Uh, and they had like actual management mm-hmm. and they had like a like a full tier of like employees of
0: and it felt it was, like a business
1: it was totally a business mm-hmm. it was an actual legitimate business
0: did you so did you start there thinking i'm going to do comedy or did no. you start there as i'm going to be bartending
1: no i needed a job and i loved comedy <laughs> and i lived in Overland Park and i had just quit Bennigan's after like two days mm-hmm. and I was driving down Metcalf and I went into Loman's Plaza. It was at 91st and Metcalf and I saw this place and they had a sign about hiring and I went in and then, you know, the rest is a torturous history. <laughs> I don't, well, I mean, I, mean, well, I don't actually know. I mean, okay. I guess there arm more details. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when did you, so you don't know like how to become a comedian, which by the okay. way, like, It doesn't feel like anybody does because I want to – I've told this story like three weeks in a row now. But when I was five, I said I wanted to be a comedian and I've just started doing it. And all throughout like elementary, middle school, and high school, every teacher was like, you don't go to school for that. And I was like, well, where do I go? And they're like, I don't know. We can't help you. And like that's all I've ever wanted to be. So like teachers have been like we don't know how to help. And then Kaspari was like I know how to help. And she was like, she your teacher? She was never actually my teacher, but we like went. We, she worked at the high school I went to. Oh. Okay. And then we just like found each other. And oh, she good. was like, hey, go over here. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go over there. And I just started doing comedy at Stanford's when they were at the Legends. Yeah. But. For you, when did, when did you start doing it? Like, when was, like, the first time that you it went up? It
1: was the Monday after Thanksgiving in 1995. Um, I'd been telling the the guy that hosted Open Mic, I'd been telling him every week, like, oh, i want to go up next week. And he's like, okay, yeah, next week. And then the next week would come, and he'd be like, are you going to go up tonight? And I'd be like, oh, uh, no, but next week, next week. And so Thanksgiving week comes, and he's like, this week? I'm like, no, no, but next week. And he goes, all right, well, be ready, because I'm putting you up next week. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, all right. So I wrote out, you know, you only had three minutes, and I wrote out my jokes word for word in this notebook. And then I just read it, read it, read it, until I memorized them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, We went to St. Louis for Thanksgiving that year, and... I made my sister listen to me do these jokes over and over and over again. And uh, then Monday came, and I was not supposed to have to bar back. I was supposed to be off. Mm. But the bar back got arrested on his way in, so they called me in. So I went in my, like, I had an outfit picked out, it was a little dress, and I went, and I was bar backing, and I was gonna go up for my set, and then just go back to work. And the bar was in the showroom. Yeah. In that, in that club. And. I was so nervous, and the bartender, his name was Sean, he kept like sliding me shots of Jaeger. Keep in mind, mm. I'm not twenty one, at this point. How
0: old are you when you're working
1: there? Uh, I started when I was nineteen, and okay. I think I was I was definitely I was twenty at this point. So okay. I mean, like I was, mm, maybe nine months from being twenty one. So. You know, close enough. Yeah. Um, enough
0: that you would round up.
1: Yeah. I had a fake ID and I'd been drinking at Buzzer for a couple of years already, so it was fine. I mean, people were
0: going into Stanford's yeah. like, younger than you. And I can oh, name yeah. names.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a comic, Anthony Spock. He was 16 when he started. I think by that point he was like maybe 17, maybe 18. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. They were a little more legit than the than the brothers but <laughs> anyway so he kept sliding me shots of Jaeger and I would do them and I was still so nervous so nervous because my adrenaline was like sort of you know fighting against the alcohol mm-hmm. and I went up and I recited my jokes word for word <laughs> and it went really well and, like really really well and uh, I won the open mic contest that night and uh Right after my set, though, I mean, that was, like, at the end of the night, but right after my set, it went really well. I take one step off the stage, and because, like, the big, you know, the big climax mm-hmm. of being on stage, the big stressful event is over, my adrenaline is, like... Oh, no. Yeah, I'm shit-faced. I take one step off the stage, and I'm, like, oh, Jaeger. all oh, the Jaeger. And uh, I had to finish the night of work shithoused, and that was... Fine. That was just fine. <laughs> Well, actually, when I was taking out the trash that night, uh, there was like a broken bottle in one of the bags, and it I was oh. hurling it into the dumpster, because um, big dumpster, mm-hmm. short girl, trash bag. I'm hurling it in there, and the glass cut my finger. I still have a scar. So I have a scar from the first night I did comedy. I can't find it right now because it's dark in here.
0: But <laughs> That's at least a memory. Yeah. I will say, I... I've had no, I've only had one Jaeger experience, and it was very much it went down and then my stomach said nope and it <laughs> came right back up but luckily I was over a sink like
1: oh that's good
0: and it was right when the party had started, so not enough people were there to remember it. Oh good so it was very much like, okay, we know we know what we like, and this is not it, young man <laughs> <laughs> so you start doing comedy at Stanford's and then when. When is the moment that you're like, okay, I'm good at this. I want to be, I want to make this what I do.
1: Well, that, so my beginnings of comedy were different than most people's. Mm -hmm. I, so I started end of November, 95, in February of 96, February, February, sorry.
0: Valentine's month.
1: Valentine's month. The second, (laughs) in the second month of 1996, uh... <laughs> I moved to Chicago, mm-hmm. and I didn't move for comedy. I just moved because I—it was not Kansas City. You yeah. know, I moved because I just wanted to get out into the world. Mm-hmm. And again, I was twenty, moving to Chicago alone. Now, when I think about it, and I think about like twenty-year-olds that I've met, I'm like, "Oh, you fucking die! You die within a <laughs> But for some reason, I didn't. No one stopped me. Um, so I was up there, and in August. This guy came through and he was looking for comics. He was looking to book the comics for this college tour called You Laugh, You Lose, which is, yeah, it's a terrible name. It's a fucking horrible name. But it's half, it was half stand-up and half improv games where mm-hmm. college kids could maybe win money. They would win money in prizes. And it's super misleading because there's only one part of the show where they might actually win money, and okay. that's the only time that they shouldn't laugh. But, you know, you name a show, you laugh. It was just fucking horrible. <laughs> you know what happened. And college kids are pretty much assholes anyway. Uh, and I was not, like, older than them. I was, um, I was. T- well, our first show was three days before my 21st birthday. Then I was, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm, I'm still in their age group. And I'm terrified because I have, I've done, when I moved up there, I wasn't, like, going out to the open mics. And I wasn't, like, really pursuing it. I was just trying to, like, sort of get settled in Chicago and like set up a life and I I was getting jobs and quitting jobs and getting other jobs and Mm -hmm. you know dealing with life and so when this guy came up he'd come to Kansas City looking for a female comic specifically because he hadn't had a female on the tour for maybe a decade Hmm. this was the 90s and he
0: picks a 20 year old that has been doing it not quite a year I had been on
1: stage less than a dozen times (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so he well he gotten my name like he came here he came to Kansas City looking for people and at Stanford's they told him instead of telling him about like the maybe two there might have been three female comics in town at the time instead of you know mentioning any of them who had been doing it for uh, you know at least a couple <laughs> years if not a little longer they tell him about me in Chicago
0: I mean at least and to look, to put perspective on it, you were memorable enough for them to be like, "Hey, she moved to Chicago, go get her, yeah,
1: yeah, oh no, I mean, I was very lucky, I was super lucky, um so, yeah, he came up to Chicago and told me what was up, and one of my good friends, you know James Johan yeah, he did this tour the year before, oh uh,
0: okay, yeah,
1: and so I kn- I already knew about the tour, and I'd heard about this guy, but i didn't I hadn't met him and so he says well you know i gotta see you perform let's go out to an open mic so i go to an open mic and i honestly think that might have been the first open mic i'd gone to in chicago and that was august It was six months and i'd only been doing it like every week since the end of november so what is that it's like eight maybe eight times maybe ten times not even ten and then there was the open mic that i went to with franco and he saw me, and he's like, "Well, you'll be fine." <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> there,
0: there are like straight white comics that are hearing this that are just screaming at the, right. at the radio, just like, "No,
1: I want that so bad!" Uh, yeah, I mean, it's because it sounds like a good thing. It sounds like, a, like, "Oh my god, that's a fucking great break!"
0: Yeah, and okay, it's terrifying.
1: It's, a, it's terrifying. Yes. If you have three minutes of good material, you don't even know how to deliver it yet. You're supposed to have 15 minutes. Or you. I'm supposed to have 15 minutes on this store. I'm supposed to be able to do 15 minutes in front of college kids and make them laugh. Oh, also has to be 100% clean.
0: Of course it does. No
1: language. No, like, subject. Everything has to be clean. Because, you know, college kids are, are fucking all virginal. And and don't, <laughs> don't do anything. You know, no,
0: of shady. course not. Uh, I, uh... I don't want to tell his story for him, but I remember Colby talking about having a tape of him doing, he was supposed to do 20 minutes clean Uh in front of, like, a country club, and I think they booked him, Nunick, and, like, a couple of other comics, like, a year in to be like, hey, kid, come on down, and I think, I think somebody stopped him, like, in the middle of it, (laughs) because he was, he was doing his Colby thing. Shout out, Colby. I love you, but you poor bastard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh when you're mismatched with an audience, it, it's it's never fun. Mm-mm. I mean, unless you're at the point where you can be like, "Well, this will be a good story for some time." Fuck these people. <laughs>
0: this will be a good story, but not right now. No later.
1: <laughs> right so- now, I'm just gonna sweat through this.
0: <laughs> so, what are you thinking? Like, uh, how long was the tour? By the way,
1: uh we started in August. We ended in May.
0: Okay. It was full
1: college year.
0: Did you And you lasted the whole time?
1: Yep. I was the only person that lasted the whole time.
0: Did they kick the other people out, or did they just stop coming?
1: Well, one of the other comics was actually working. His name is Duran Howard, and so he would be on and off. And when he was gone, Franco would come in and step in his place. Now, when we first started uh Frankie would hire hired someone he booked someone but also hired them mm-hmm. to be the road manager cuz he was like the tour manager and there was a road is entirely too many cooks mm-hmm. with titles in you mm-hmm. know in the kitchen so uh his name um i don't know if i want to say it he's local he doesn't do it anymore
0: okay cool his
1: name is Aaron okay i just won't say his last name but he okay. was um he's a really <laughs> nice guy looking Um, at you, Aaron Scarborough. (laughs) Oh, I wish it was Aaron Scarborough. (laughs) I would love to live in a van with Aaron Scarborough for like, He just paints everything he sees.
0: (laughs) Including the van. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: And so Aaron and Franco had like, a disagreement and at the semester break, Mm. um, Franco decided he would just manage the tour from, you know, not like from remote. Okay. He would not, be on tour with us then Duran was on full time and then we hired some dude his stage name was Jack Newport that's not a bad name no it's a smooth name but he wasn't a comic he was on one of the the agency that put this out had a bunch of different like shows and like events and like stupid shit that they would send to colleges Mm -hmm. like they had this one it was like this glass booth and it was like a wind tunnel booth and they'd throw cash in there and a college kid in there and mm-hmm. you grab what you can. You know, it's just just stupid ass shit. I didn't like this agency. They were real assholes. Um real fucking assholes. Like they were supposed to only they were they weren't supposed to make us drive more than three hundred miles a day, so we were not supposed to have to do more than three hundred miles between colleges. Mm-hmm. And they would book us So they would just book us the most insane shit. It was it was rough but it was my first experience on the road and I loved it. I loved living Mm -hmm. in that van. I gave up my apartment, my uh, apartment with the uh, tiny lake view, my beautiful apartment that was only like 455 bucks for a big ass one bedroom. God. Mm -hmm. I gave up that uh, to live out of like a a trunk in a van. And uh, I mean, my voice would audibly shake. I was so nervous. I had such stage fright. So it was horrible. The first few months were really, really horrible. And then we came through Kansas City for like a week. We had a break. And we came through. We were staying here for like a week. And I was working at Stanford. So they hired me to... Hired me. I keep saying hired. They booked me to do... Um, it's hiring. Yeah. They <laughs> booked me to MC for scott kennedy and kevin may and i can't remember what their tour was they're both um they're a gay couple Mm -hmm. kevin has since passed actually i don't know if scott has or not both very nice and they were so nice to me and the first night my voice shook and i had the the horrifying moment where you forget all your material yeah yeah i got a laugh and forgot everything else and i was like oh shit there was like i mean it felt like several minutes where i was just blank not talking i'm sure it was like 15 seconds yeah but i was just like shit i have oh god there's no, there no material where oh no and then it all came back anyway after that my voice didn't shake anymore so when i went back out with the tour mm-hmm. you know it didn't shake anymore and things got a lot easier for me it was still uh you know way too advanced of a thing to have booked me on but it was kind of a boot camp
0: Um, I was going to say, because quick little timeline is mm -hmm. (laughs) in August of... No, in November of 95, you're a bartender Mm -hmm. doing an open mic. No, I'm not a
1: bartender. Oh, no, no, uh,
0: Mm barback. Barback, open micer Chicago, Mm -hmm. August, open mic, with like 11 other appearances in there, and then on a
1: a national
0: tour, and then... (laughs) back at your hometown emceeing Mm. all before because when's your birthday?
1: Uh, It was August so I'd been 21 for three months.
0: So all of this before you're technically 22. Yep. So do you view like that like boot camp as because like I see you now and like you essentially I would almost like describe you as like a panther that when you come on stage because like you just control everything all eyes on you and like you just walk up there and you're just like you're do gonna you have pay control
1: issues yeah <laughs> go ahead i'm sorry you were saying something nice about me and i had to interrupt
0: no you're okay i just like uh because i view you as like i am Susanna, hear me roar and like that's how like i see you on stage because you're just like i'm going to do what i'm going to do and you're going to like this and if you don't like this then you are wrong <laughs> And with, but, like, so I can't, like, it's hard for me to even imagine you with, like, shaky.
1: Oh, God. It was horrible. But, you know, it, it was too soon. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any sort of, like, I had no chops. I had no nothing. Um, but, but do you
0: view that as, like, your, like, breaking a horse moment of essentially, okay, I got my spirit broken, but now I've recuperated and I've learned how to do this to a degree?
1: Uh, well, no. I still tried to quit the tour. (laughs) Because I, I, I've always, I've always been me, and Mm -hmm. I've never been a clean comic, because I've never been a clean person. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I shower, but you know, I've never lived... That's not at all what I was thinking, but I'm glad you clarified Uh, (laughs) I've never lived a wholesome life. (laughs) And... The best art comes from personal experience my opinion you know Mm -hmm. the best art comes from personal experience and the best um the best art that especially for what we do especially for comedy we're talking about you can you can be a topical comic you can not talk about yourself and that's fine and there are so many skilled topical comics and there's so many skilled comics that they're they're highly skilled mm-hmm. they're skillful they're craftsmen uh but i view i view the art factor of taking your own life experience your own pain and turning it into something else turning it into something that we can laugh at mm-hmm. as as more art than craft
0: mm, okay I get that. Yeah. Cause shout out all the clean comics out there. Uh, I can't ever do (laughs) that. That sounds more terrifying than anything. Uh, Well,
1: there's a lot of comics. Like I knew a bunch of clean comics in Chicago that were great and they would talk about their lives. But the thing is that their lives lent themselves to working clean. mm -hmm. You know, these weren't people that were doing like phone sex from 10 to six and then drinking from like eight to four you know, mm. that's what I was. I mean, not at the time of the tour, but um, ninety nine two thousand. I started doing phone sex because the side jobs just they got a little old.
0: And I'm an idiot. So mm-hmm. ten to six. You mean like ten p.m. to six a.m.? No,
1: I mean for... ten a.m. to six p.m. <laughs> and I was, was really doing, hoping it was going no, to be that. No, one, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it was the you know bankers' hours. Uh, phone sex. I was getting all the uh, the daytime calls. Um,
0: was it hourly or would you get tips? Because that is what I'm intrigued I got by. paid
1: per call. Ah. So I worked for a different kind of service. I worked for a callback service. It was kind of like a – it wasn't one of those like, oh, 1-900 or one whatever. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a call and we'll flirt on the phone it was like very seedy it was like this lady had been doing this for like 30 fucking years or some shit she was old mm-hmm. her name her name was uh Doreen but her her like name name her you know mm. professional name was mistress Helen <laughs> right? she'd been doing it
0: okay Doreen like, yeah. she had been doing
1: this since since the time when Helen was considered to be like a sexy <laughs> name and i don't know I don't know when that was, it was way before I was born, and I was born in the 70s, so it's a long ass fucking time ago, so uh, yeah, I was doing 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., they would call her, she'd take all the credit card info, all that kind of shit, she'd find out what they want, she would call me and say, okay, you call this guy at this number, he wants to talk about this. So then I would go through, and this is in time of landlines, I would star 76, star 67, because that blocks uh, caller ID, and it blocks you from being able to do the callback thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's how you kept yourself safe. Star 76, star 67. And then <laughs> I'd call them collect. Oh, my God. That's right. I would call them collect. So it was a lot of dialing, a whole lot of dialing. And then, uh, my name all the was...
0: millennials right now are like, "What the fuck does any of this mean?" <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, "How the fuck did you call collect?" It was like you would call, you had to dial this number before you dialed the number. So we got the star six seven, star seven six, you know, in whatever order, and then you have to call. You have to like hook up with the long distance carriers, like collect thing. And then you have to say your name, you know, and then, then they ring the person and the person answers. And then this service is like, it's like a, I mean, it's like actually, you know, automated. It's not still a fucking operator or anything, Yeah. but it's like, will you collect, will you accept a call from Cherry? <laughs> was I was Cherry. Or if it was a Dom call, I was Mistress Cherry. So- <laughs> So you know, <laughs> that's so funny. I used to have this this notebook. I because w- I would write down the guys' names, numbers, and their whatever they wanted to talk about. And I would have this notebook just full of dudes' names, numbers, and whatever horrifying subject they would like to speak about.
0: I was really hoping it was going to have like a time slot for how long it took for them to get oh, done.
1: Yeah. Because, <laughs> they, so for the for the amount that they paid. They got up to 30 minutes. Okay. And I would get 10 bucks per call. So okay. the goal was you get them off fast so you can get on to your next call. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was busy, and sometimes like I could usually get them off in, like, eight minutes. And um, thank you. <laughs> Just a natural talent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I did it, Lillian. Maybe runs in my family. I don't know. <laughs> Never really asked my mom about it, but... My dad had a radio voice, so maybe that's... I don't know. I don't know. Anyway.
0: Now that I just love the idea of, like, your dad on the radio, like, call, call yeah. 1-800-NOW, <laughs> and there's just a bunch of guys driving, like, Duh! just like... <laughs> <laughs> so you do that, and then... Mm-hmm. I, I, I know the call that, like, made you, like, stop doing it, and we don't have to, like, yeah. get into that, but you... She was...
1: I mean, I can briefly... Uh, Okay. Okay. So Mistress Helen she was was an animal lover so she would not allow bestiality calls and I only knew that because I got one and I called her afterwards to be like listen Doreen I can't do those calls Mm. and she was like we don't do those anyway if any man ever wants to talk about a dog like that again you just hang up on him and you call me and tell me I will never let him call again Alright. Great. So you love animals, She you don't give a fuck about kids because she yeah. Uh, she called them Chesters.
0: Oh yeah. I do remember that part. Oh God. Yeah. Oh. So that that was
1: that was yeah, the last call I ever did was was one of those and it was just like the worst the worst 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 worst.
0: Oh. oh God. And so you do that, you mm-hmm. do that till 05, correct? No. Okay.
1: I did that just for a couple of years, just my last few years in Chicago. Okay. And then I moved back to Kansas City in 2001. Okay. I was dating a comic that lived in St. Louis, and I thought it was going to kind of go somewhere. It did not, and he is dead now, unrelated. Um.
0: <laughs> I'll... I'll testify if I need to. Sure, uh, sure. It was unrelated uh, for this like 10 second part.
1: <laughs> we we broke up. It was a terrible, terrible combo for that. But then we were, um, yeah, he was one of my best friends. Mm. Once I'd been mad at him for like six months, then we could get into like the good stuff of being like really good friends. Um, so, yeah, so I moved back to Kansas City in 2001 and he Dumped me in 2001. He dumped me the week before, oh, no, two weeks before September 11th. He dumped me on, oh, it was one week before. It was, like, Labor Day weekend. And then I went. This is
0: the worst thing happening to me right now. And then yeah. a week later, I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> I,
1: was, I was on the road for 9 Because I, I did a week at the Looney Bin in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Texas. And I was supposed to do the next weekend in Amarillo. No, not Amarillo. I was. Tyler, not Tyler, there was some town in eastern Texas that had, like, a weekend room, and it was a really nice hotel, so I always liked doing it, Mm -hmm. Um, and I had a one-nighter before that in Killeen, Texas, maybe Killeen was, no, Killeen was the army town, so I stayed with my aunt and uncle um, September, I guess, 9th and 10th because I was leaving on the morning of September 11th and they had this giant ass fucking like wall-sized TV. And oh, God. I came down, I loaded my car and I came in and my uncle's watching it. And I'm like, what, what is happening? And he's like, I don't know. And that was, <laughs> that was 9-11. I went to the gym on my way out of town and they were showing it on the TV. Nobody knew what the fuck was going on. And I got to Colleen, and I got into the, the place they had us staying at this house. I got in there like a day early and it was a military town, the whole town is shut down. The whole town is shut down. The base is locked down. You know, nobody knew what the fuck was going on. So the show was very sparsely attended because the military couldn't get off base to come to the show and they were mm. usually the bulk of the audience. Okay. So we do the show and I I went into the bar afterwards I was leaving. I was going to go back go to sleep before I got up and drove the next day and there were these three military people sitting at the bar there's two women and a, a man and um on my way out he reached out and he like grabbed me and he's like hey um he told me that his uh like whoever they're they're I don't I've never been military. No one in my family's ever been military, so I don't know the terminology, but Mm -hmm. whoever his, like, closest sort of mentor was through boot camp was in the Pentagon for 9-11, ended up dying. Mm. Uh, And so he was a fucking mess. And his superior told these two, his two I don't know if they were MPs. I don't know what they were, but they were all the same type of soldier army person. Right. They told, or his superior told these two other, the two women to take him off base and get him drunk because he was just a, a fucking mess. So he catches my arm, he tells me this, and he then goes, and this is the first time I've laughed, the first time I've smiled. And that, that's probably like, that's, very, quite possibly, the most like impactful moment of, of, of my entire career. You Ye-
0: know? yeah, yeah. I mean, God, that would be that yeah. would be that'd be high. That would be high for me too. Yeah, uh, I, I, I. I I'm not going to date myself on it because, but I was young whenever it happened. So Everyone
1: was. Everyone in this whole fucking scene is like way younger than me. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think there's people in this scene that weren't even born in 2001. You can just say Dayton. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: well, I remember, I remember once telling a group of comics when I started and I think Trey Thompson was like, I was I, I said like 95, and he's like, I was born in 96 or 97, and I was just like, oh, fuck all of you. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, you, I, I like Drake Thompson, but you could just kind of tell him that in general. Like, oh,
1: yeah,
0: no, <laughs> I, I like him too. But, okay, so you're on the road touring <laughs> during all of this. What? Because I... I know that I don't I know SNL made like kind of not like a big thing about but their whole thing for like the next year was like how do we keep doing this? And mm-hmm. but what was like road comedy like? Because if big stuff was like, do we keep doing this? I can't imagine like I'm just using this as an example, but like Springfield, Missouri being like, Yeah, let's have comedy shows Absolutely while they then, were.
1: Absolutely, they were mm-hmm. shows went on. Mm. Shows went on, just the same as as always. Mm-hmm. I mean, the state of the nation was was. A you know a panic was chaos. We didn't know what was happening. Uh, mm. I mean we and then you know the the little you find out piece by piece by piece and this is also, two thousand one. This is before. Really, before social media. Mm -hmm. So, the information you get, you get from like very limited sources.
0: Yeah, I can't. Because I was trying to think of something to compare to September 11th, and nothing really compares. But I will say, social media was wild for January 6th of this year. And I can't. I don't want to (laughs) imagine what. The internet would do with september eleventh like if it had yeah. happened now because it would be i think it would be turned off like i think inter- the internet would be turned off
1: it was uh i mean there was you you couldn't find anything but that on t v mm-hmm. you know every, it's all that was being talked about on any any media platform was like it was that and if, if somehow thinking about that event versus like covid versus uh yeah January 6th the insurrection mm-hmm. versus how many other you know big events that I just can't think of right now have happened since social media I just I don't know I mean it would have been I don't know if having more outlets and having more voices is is necessarily not it not a good thing, not a bad thing, but it complicates things
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the more the more voices the l- like the easier it is for misinformation to get past. yeah so yeah, so September eleventh I mean, and granted, when there's fewer voices, it's easier to be lied to mm-hmm. and it's easier for for when when there's less people disseminating the information, it's easier for them to control what information is getting out. So, mm-hmm. and you, you know, we all know you can't trust the government, so I don't know if it's better or worse, but, uh, it's, Get her. uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was less chaotic, mm-hmm. which is real weird to think. Like September, September
0: 11th, 11th was less chaotic, less than chaotic than now? COVID
1: than, uh. than like the, the COVID year. And especially like during anything during the Trump president presidency was... You know, you, you, but it was, when there were less places you could turn for the information, there was just less, there's just less distortion around it. Mm. And so, whether or not we were getting the full story, we were still getting one story. Mm. So, okay. it wasn't like, well, what do you believe? Do you believe this, or do you do you turn and watch the other fucking Forty-seven news channels. Which, which news person, which talking head do you believe? Yeah. It was just like, well, this is the story. This is the story. There's not a whole lot of fucking, oh, uh, that's not the story, you know. Yeah, well, actually, we have the truth uh, right. from our guy
0: who yeah. was also there and saw the exact same thing mm-hmm. but didn't see what that guy saw. Yeah. And it does... Co- so... And I was just thinking about this. So... Have you been out and about like lately? Doing like yeah, you've been doing shows like at least I've like been a couple yeah. What are the crowds compared to now compared to then? Is it m-
1: compared to like to like 2001? right
0: yeah to compared to like the after nine eleven because it feels <laughs> like it almost feels like people are more willing now to go out, but there is of like.
1: It didn't really affect... I mean, besides that first show that was in the military town, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember the crowd size really being affected um, on the road. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we weren't really worried about small towns getting, you know... No one's going to fly an airplane into the Hilton and, you know... (laughs) Tyler
0: Texas (laughs) they probably have more success this is not me advocating for it this is just me saying (laughs) that they would have more success
1: it was a conservative town I'm not saying it would have been a bad thing (laughs) Um,
0: so you're on the road you're doing all uh, the shows and then when do you are you
1: based in KC at this point yes okay I moved back to Kansas City in July of 2001 okay from chicago
0: okay and then because again i wish i i wish i was a more visual podcast because on my notes it just says casey chicago casey oregon la casey oh uh, well LA, uh, oregon portland la casey casey there's uh, there's another casey move in there it's yeah it's a fun time yep but uh so you're back in casey mm-hmm. and then when do you move out to Oregon?
1: So I the next year in 2002 I um start dating this guy and 3 months later we get married and As uh, you should. Yeah, absolutely. Like
0: the Lord intended. Of course.
1: Uh and then he decided he could not get another job in Kansas City. He could not do it. I've burned all the bridges with the temp agency. I cannot get a <laughs> job here. There's no way for me to get another job here. <laughs> And I was working two part-time jobs plus on the road. I was still on the road, like, almost full-time. So I'm working fucking, like, every minute. and c- Every minute I could be working, I'm pretty much working. And that couldn't last, and I wasn't going to let that last. Uh, so I was like, well, uh, his dad was opening a cabinet shop or was starting a cabinet shop in Cape Junction, Oregon, And he was partnering with his his brother, my ex-husband's uncle. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, ask your dad if we can move out there, because we talked about it. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up moving out to Cave Junction, Oregon, which is a town of like, I want to say it's like less than 1,000. Or at the time, it was like, I mean, it was like less than 1,000, less than 1,500 people. It was a tiny town, huge levels of hep C, big, big, big bad meth problem. Uh, It was a disgusting town horrible town and we were there for almost six months before i decided i was moving to portland and i told my husband you can come with me or you can stay here but i am moving to portland Mm -hmm. and again
0: as the lord intended as the
1: lord intended and (laughs) so by like september i want to say it was september or maybe october 1st of 2002 i was living in portland
0: okay
1: um i'd missed an opportunity to work on a film Before we moved to Oregon, I worked a week with Paul Provenza at Stanford's. It was my going away week, Mm. and uh, Paul loved me, and I loved him, and he was just starting to work on this, this film called The Aristocrats. Oh. Oh, is this <laughs> is this the time on the podcast when we talk about my biggest fucking regret?
0: Uh it can be. Oh, I think it is. Uh, think now it is the is. time to. Now, as in every episode, we talk about what is Susanna Lee's biggest, biggest regret? regret <laughs> the
1: Stupidest fucking thing I ever did. So Paul says, "I'm working this movie. You should come. You should work on it. You should work on this movie with me." And he has he has this like, I don't know anything about it. I'm 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 a fucking idiot. I don't know anything mm-hmm. about it the the team he has assembled the other comics that he has on it doesn't mean anything to me i don't know anything and i'm about to move to oregon with this f- stupid motherfucker that has burned all the bridges Is with the, the temp, temp agency <laughs> i'm turning down working on a fucking film because my mm. stupid ass husband can't get another temp job in this shitbag town so we're gonna mm. move out to a worse town And I'm like, but I didn't know it was worse at the time. Before we moved, Mm -hmm. we were told it was like Mayberry. We were told it's just this perfect little (laughs) town, everyone's great, everyone's super nice. The word meth never even fucking came up, you know? It never does. No, no, it doesn't. (laughs) So uh, we get out there and there's no internet access at the house where we're staying, at his dad's house. And so if I wanna get online, I either have to go to the library, which is open three days a week for, like, three or four hours. Mm-hmm. Or we have to go out to the hill, which is where his aunt and uncle and, like, grandma lived and, like, some of their friends. And uh, try and and get on up there. And keep it. This is all dial-up. Okay. All dial-up. And if And if I go out to the hill, then there's a good possibility that Mary, his aunt is going to be on the computer playing some stupid fucking game she played. I don't remember what it was. Nothing like the games we have now. It was literally, like, probably Tetris. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: I, I'll, <laughs> still fuck with, I'll still <laughs> fuck with Tetris. I hate to admit that, but what,
1: still. Sh- I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about Tetris. I'm just saying that we're in Tetris technology times. We're, Tetris is like a, a fucking fancy-ass game.
0: You know <laughs> My God, I will never financially recover from the money I spent yeah. on Tetris.
1: <laughs> so I, uh, I don't check my email for like three weeks or something. And then I get on at the library. And Paul has emailed me and asked me, come to London. Come to England. Come work on this film. He has asked me again. I don't get the email for like three fucking weeks. Mm. So... Lesson to be learned there is don't do that, don't do any of that. Lesson
0: is a lesson there is invest in Google Fiber, uh, it, which
1: wasn't even there at the time. I I couldn't even have Sprint cell coverage because oh the towers it was so this is like so prehistoric, you know this is two thousand see two thousand three, mm-hmm. cell phones are like. They're not smartphones, they're not smartphones.
0: Yeah. I will say mm-hmm. uh I do a lot of like dumb research that doesn't matter, uh, so <laughs> to by comparison, I'll give you the Sean Connery's biggest d- disappointment okay. that'll make you feel better uh he got a script for a movie they they, they said that he <clears throat> they want we want you to be like the the teacher in this he was like I I'd there's a shitty Sean in person. Okay. I don't understand this at all. And then it turned out they want him to be Morb- uh, Morpheus in the Matrix. Oh, and he was, shit. And he's just like, I don't want to do that. And then they gave him another fantasy script. And they were like, we want you to be the teacher in this. And he was like, I don't understand this at all. And threw it away. Harry and that, Potter? Worse. It is uh, Gandalf and Lord of the Rings. Oh,
1: son of a bitch.
0: And then he got League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He was like, I don't understand this at all, but I'm doing it. And then <laughs> that movie made him quit acting because oh, of how much he hated it. So anytime I ever think to myself, man, this sucks, I always think, at least I'm not Sean Connery not doing Gandalf or uh, oh, yeah. The
1: Matrix. It's <laughs> good perspective. Uh, all the people that did work on The Aristocrats, like, all the people I knew that worked on it, Mm -hmm. because I turned out, I knew a couple people, and then I met more when I moved to L.A. Mm -hmm. All those people went on to, like... I mean, that film legitimized the careers of, like, several people.
0: I hate to keep rubbing your nose in it, but who are the seven... Who are, like, the people?
1: I I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it because, like, the a lot of... Well, not a lot. A lot, like, two. Mm -hmm. You know... They had careers before, and so I don't want it to seem like I'm saying, like, their careers before were bullshit, because mm. one of them had been a road comic for years and years ah. and was very, like, had notoriety, not fame, and mm-hmm. not, but no, he was But respecting very, enough
0: work that, yeah. like, if he hadn't have gotten that, he would have been fine.
1: Uh, he'd moved out to L.A., and he wasn't doing a whole lot of road work, because the times were changing mm-hmm. in as much as, like... Clubs were looking for different things. And what was shocking was sort of shifting. Mm-hmm. So he, he wasn't really doing great. Yeah. But after the Aristocrats, he really, like, his career really, um, not in front of the camera, but his, like, like video editing and all the work he did with mm. that, like, blew up. He did really, really well. And mm-hmm. he had no problem after that. Um, aristocrats would have been a a, a better move than sticking with my husband that turned out to really not 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 work out too well but it did take me to portland and i Mm -hmm. did meet a lot of really fantastic comics that i'm still friends with in portland Mm -hmm. um
0: I hate, I hate myself so much because it's like, it's not about the journey. It's about the friends you made along the way.
1: Well, the friends you make along, I mean, that is the journey, you know? So it's, it's not about the destination, you yeah. know? It's not about, like, would my life be better if I, if I said yes and didn't go to Oregon? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it would be a lot worse. You know, maybe I wouldn't have been good at doing whatever I would have been doing. You know, whatever mm-hmm. Paul had in mind, maybe I wouldn't have been good at it. I probably wouldn't have been. I was very young. I was 26, which doesn't sound like very young, but now that I'm like 45, I'm like as young as hell. If I would have moved to L.A. when I was 26, I I would have... It it was good that I was in smaller towns Mm -hmm. for my um, hedonistic years. You know? Like, if I would have done the shit that I did here, Mm -hmm. out in L.A., I'd probably be dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I
0: don't think you're giving yourself enough credit, but I...
1: When I was that young, I was stupid.
0: Everybody is. Like, <laughs> I, I am now and I know that. Like, I just know there's stuff I genuinely don't know. Yeah. Uh, but when I tell, like, other, like, 20-something-year-olds that, they're like, oh, you're not giving yourself enough credit, man. You're smart. You're smart. And well, you I'm you like, get, like... Well,
1: I mean, you can be smart, but, like wisdom and like learning how to avoid dying gets easier the older you get yeah you know like there's not so much experimentation because there's like well I've already done an eight ball in one night like I know where that goes so
0: (laughs) yeah I've I've stayed up to 12 o'clock on a Tuesday (laughs) so I can compare that (laughs) no I had I mean I'm I just don't have like an urge to like go crazy or anything like Good. that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I did, but you know, I, I come from a family background of of uh, you know loving substances,
0: loving <laughs> substances, loving substances, and mm-hmm. substances
1: of Substance, love. All the substances. <laughs> all the words.
0: Again, as the Lord intended. Yes. But uh, <laughs> okay, so. Mm-hmm. We I know we're
1: so far past time.
0: No, 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 we are not past time at all. Okay. Uh we are getting close to it. Okay. Uh now I don't <laughs> I feel bad. I don't want no. I don't want this to end, but yeah. I also know that you have to uh, actually probably rest and relax because, uh, you are an adult. I would, <laughs> I would love to come back to this and yep. have like a two part episode. You'd be like the first person that we sure. have is like a two part. Um, and so we'll schedule that like off this. Okay. Um, but I always end these, uh, on like a certain way. Uh, one, did you have fun? Yes.
1: Okay. Yes. Cool, cool, cool. You're lovely. I, I, I enjoy you immensely. So of course.
0: Okay, cool. This next question's redundant, but I always ask you at the end, are we friends?
1: Oh Lynn, we're friends. Okay,
0: cool, 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 cool. Just had to make sure. Yeah. I I keep like ex I keep I don't know who I'm expecting to be like Lynn, I did this because you asked me to. Uh but Oh well, yeah, I mean <laughs> we're, just, like, we're
1: friends, you know? No, no, I under I understand. I'm happy that. you asked
0: me to do it. I saw everyone else do it and
1: I'm like, huh. No one gives a fuck what I have to say anymore. Oh, oh. no, woe is me. Oh, dude, no. Like
0: you were like no, I have been no. so. Again, uh, I was actually talking with Amira um, last night, which again, a shout out to Amira. Uh, but I put I you and I put you and her into like the same like category because like when you walk into a room, because I feel like people are uh, Amira like and I hate to like air this out about her, but she has like problems because people are quote unquote intimidated by her. And I feel like people do get intimidated by you. Oh yeah. But it's literally just because you're a powerful woman. You walk into a room and you're just like, I am Susanna, hear me roar. Or I am Amira, hear me roar.
1: It's not even necessarily being a powerful woman. It's just like not continue because this was not always, you know, Mm -hmm. it was not always like that. I was very like, oh, oh yeah, whatever, uh, yeah. you know, uh, unless I was on stage. And then I was always like, I always wanted to be, you know, like a puffer fish, you puff up so nobody can tell you're afraid. So that was me on stage for a long, long time. Um, <laughs> I'm but... very
0: much closer to a clownfish. Uh... But,
1: <laughs> but the, you know, as a woman, there there's a comfortable place. People like women in com- in a in in where whatever they consider to be the comfortable place mm-hmm. to put women, mm-hmm. and I just don't give a shit about what makes other people comfortable with me. In that regard, okay. If you you yeah. you're, you're you don't like what I say or how I say it because a woman shouldn't say that or a woman shouldn't be bold. A woman should be a little more, you know, like subservient that's that's just not that's i don't agree
0: i I agree with you that we shouldn't agree on that uh i also am trying very hard to get to the i don't give a fuck i'm gonna say what i want to say but also internally i'm like please be my friend everybody
1: oh yeah i mean i I think that i don't give a fuck i'm gonna say whatever i want i i've lost a lot of friends and i've lost a lot of gigs and i've only been fired from a couple but oh no actually i've only been fired from one but the thing is and i've been threatened so many times by bookers and by bigger bookers and then mm-hmm. by bigger bookers oh you really fucked up Uh ah, you really fucked up you know what no i fucking didn't mm-hmm. i may have fucked up and i don't work the fuck some club in some shit-ass town again well fucking fine Sorry,
0: really, Montana, you don't get me again.
1: I had a good time in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, the thing that I learned is that you as comics, we have the ability to control where we go and I was I was around when alt comedy and when like the indie circuits were just getting started mm-hmm. i mean before that it was very much like oh you fucked up with this booker you're never going to work that club you're never going to work that town you're never going to get a fan base if you keep fucking up with these bookers and now it's so much easier to be like well fuck those bookers i can just book my own fucking show at this venue i i know how to do a fucking press release i know how to generate press i did that i did my own indie tours for like years so i i guess i'm just gonna do what i do because everyone that ever threatened me didn't fucking matter none of them actually stopped my career none of them none of them stopped my career a couple of them fucked me with other bookers but you know Mm. what fine i you know i don't think that my my life suffered for not having worked cedar rapids iowa Thanks, Jeff Johnson.
0: <laughs> Bum-ba-ba-ba! Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't make fucking 150 bucks for the weekend? Oh, man.
0: <laughs> oh, Jeff Johnson, you've just been lead. <laughs> uh, as always, uh, yes. I love you. Thank love you, you, you for being Thank on this you. show. Thanks uh, for
1: having me. I'm sorry I rambled and we just... This is not rambling. Oh, trust
0: me. Uh, this is
1: dumb
0: shit. The, what is a podcast yeah. except done Comedy shit. preserves
1: <laughs> I feel like I've been really negative, so I should end this real positively. Lynn, comedy is really great. And um it's great. And i uh, I have enjoyed it. It has been it's been the biggest part of my life. I now love that I've that. been doing it for over half my life.
0: I love that, yeah. and uh, again we will have you we're yeah, gonna have we'll you do, back we'll very you soon. Yeah. We will schedule the second part of this interview because oh, yes. I have so many more questions. I
1: don't even think we got to any of your questions I'm sorry. no,
0: we did not at all, okay, but it is sorry. perfect. no, I do not okay. care. this is wonderful uh again, thank you all for listening. uh you have a lot of options and I'm glad you picked this uh, skinny little white boy and <laughs> uh this uh powerful woman named uh, Madam Cherry. uh have a great night. we love you bye. <laughs>